0: Good morning. So my name is Pastor Eric Norris and uh, occasionally when Pastor Brian is gone or gets in a pinch he allows me to speak. And so this is a rare, uh, oh this Uh, there's an elephant in the room. (laughs) So we'll get to that in just a moment. Uh, But occasionally I get to speak and this time it's, uh, it's outside of the context of Uh, series and so he said I can just kind of preach on whatever I wanted to preach on and so I I gave that some thought and I almost bit off more than I can chew because um, I work a full-time job um, and I'm also the pastor of discipleship and connections here um, and I also occasionally like to find the worship team and but I teach a class and so I haven't been able to do that and so I told Lene you know I'm preaching so I could play Well, I've got wires in places that wires shouldn't be, Um, and so I'm having a hard time managing all my wires, so if I detonate and just, you know, just carry on like nothing happened, I'm not sure what all this is going to mean in the end, Um, but... We do welcome you. We're glad that you're here. If you're online, we're glad that you're here. You should have received this connection card when you came in. There are no sermon notes, so you're going to have to just pay attention and take your own notes today. Um, But you can follow along. There's a place for prayer requests. And if you're a guest, we highly encourage you to fill this out and leave it in one of the boxes or leave it at the Welcome Center when you leave. And we'd love to connect with you to see how we can um, help you um, if you're looking for a family of faith. And so what's the elephant about? well when I was considering what to preach I was thinking about things in my life things that I struggle with so maybe this sermon is directed to me Uh, I hope it has some implication for you as well but it's something that um, has been on my mind um, quite frequently lately and it all stems out of the fact that, that we're hearing that there's a change in the wind that and the whispers that kind of started a year ago when all of this stuff started happening, but at that point it seemed like it was way out there. And now we've seen uh, everything normal in the past year has been turned upside down, basically. And now we're beginning to hear whispers of freedom. <laughs> Uh, of maybe there's a point in the future where masks will go away and we can once again invade each other's space and hand wash. Well, I hope you always wash your hands, so we'll leave that one on the table. Um, but uh, social distancing. So there's been a subtle turn in the in the numbers. We see vaccine, and suddenly there's kind of hope that there's a new day. There's a blossoming rumble of freedom, freedom from masks, from open, uh, open stores and restaurants and churches and schools. And last week, I even heard our president say that his hope is that by by July 14th, we'd be able to maybe once again begin to meet in larger numbers on Freedom Day. Wouldn't that be appropriate that, uh, that we would finally be free from all of this? I uh, I heard that the Royals are going to allow fans in the stadiums on opening day, and they're going to increase that number all summer. I've read that K State's planning on a full stadium this fall, and so all that gives us a little bit of hope. And so what I began to wonder, and I've thought about, is what does that mean? What does life look like moving forward? What is the new normal? And so that's the elephant, because I hear all about it, and I hear hear whispers of this down the pike, but the elephant is no one's telling me what that means. I mean, mask or no mask? You know, can I shake your hand, or do I still have to bump your elbow for the next 10 years? You know, which is awkward, by the way. I just have to be honest. It's just kind of an awkward thing. Uh, Somebody shaking your head. I just don't get that. Uh, But so what is this? What is this life without? Now, let me start my discussion today by clarifying three things. I'm not a doctor. I didn't even play one on TV. I'm not an expert on viruses or dealing with them. And so our discussion today is not me declaring an end to all things COVID, mask freedom and social distancing cease. That's not what the discussion's about today. So I'm sorry to disappoint you if that's what you're hoping for. You can sleep the next 20 minutes. This is also not intended to be a a political statement or stance. I'm not gonna discuss conspiracies or attempts to take over the world or control by our government. That's not what this is about. And finally, it's not a subliminal message to guilt people into coming back to life and back to church. You do that when you're comfortable and when you're ready. So those three things are not a part of the discussion today. Well, so what's the point of the next few minutes? Well, it's a discussion about moving forward from COVID. It's a discussion that I hope is a practical discussion, not only for me as a person, but us as a body. And that's what I want to focus on today. If indeed we're going to be free on July 4th, what does it even look like? What does it mean for your life going forward at work and at school? And maybe most importantly, what does it look like for you as a Christ follower, as a Christian? How do we move forward and bridge the divisions that have been created? And certainly it has been a year of divisions, of chaos. How do we help bridge the, the widening gap? How do we lead from the bonds that we have known for almost a year where, where we can once again breathe without thoughts of little bugs floating around the air and, in, the, in the air? And maybe that's only me. I don't know how you approach viruses, but I just envision these little things floating around the air looking for orifices and things and, uh, and it, it was kind of frightening but I'm a simple-minded man I know you're much more um, elaborate about this whole thing than I am but how do we take our minds off the nightly news stories and the charts and the graphs that which have instilled fear in our families and our workplace and our neighborhoods those are big questions real questions by the way And so, do we address that as a church? Absolutely. If the last year has taught us anything, it's there are several ways that we've dealt with this virus and the uncertainty it brought. The first and most common probably is fear. And not just fear, but a paralyzing fear. And so for many, the initial response was one of paralyzing fear, where as we, we Listen to the numbers, and we watched them grow, and we watched this virus spread over the entirety of the globe, and there was this apocalyptic feeling of catastrophic doom, and this oppression that kind of settled on us. And I remember, I was on the road at work, I was actually in an employee meeting in western Kansas, and I got this phone call on my my cell phone, and it said, come home right now. I said, well, can I finish the meeting? No, come home right now. And so, I just had to excuse myself, get in my car, and drive back home, not knowing. It kind of reminded me of 9-11. You know, we were in, uh, Robin and I were in, in Colorado on vacation, and that same thing, just this, this impending feeling of doom. So, this fear settled on us, and there were implications that China had released this virus intentionally, and, and the or the government was trying to, to use this to control us, and we were locked down, and the world, in essence, closed for business illustration. When this was in the early stages, I walked into a local place of business without a mask, and this woman jumped right in the middle of me and accused me of trying to kill everybody in the place. You see, because not only did we not know how to handle it, everybody around us became an enemy. And that's still true, some today. And we see things like mask shaming and all this name-calling. And folks, is that really the way to handle a pandemic? But it was true. It was this fear that overwhelmed us. The other reaction that we saw was a reaction of, well, I'm just gonna leave it all to faith. And I'm not talking specifically about spiritual faith. I'm talking about just this whole idea that I'm just gonna put my faith in a mask or I need an M95 or a face shield or a full body suit with a aerator and all kinds of things. And you saw all of that. I saw people walking around in the full hazmat suits and and these respirators and and so I'm thinking you know I'm places I didn't know I should be, so there was this faith i'm going to put my faith in mask or social distancing or hand washing um, or yeah, I'm just going to trust Jesus, we're just going to let herd humanity herd immunity there it was play out and, and we're just going to let it run its course and and that might not have been you know a wise thing to do at that point in time but in faith we just kind of said well I'll just i just trust that whatever happens happens or I'll trust that there's going to be a vaccine soon and then everything will be better and I'm not here to argue any of those points or I just to simply state that our reaction and the way that we handled it created chaos confusion it divided us and so how do we mend and move forward that's the question and I wasn't prepared. When this hit, I'll be honest with you, um, I's recently widowed, and so all of a sudden I'm stuck in my house, isolated, when I, at the mo- point in my life when I needed people more than anything. And I thought I was a good Christian guy, because I thought, "Oh well, this will force me deeper in my relationship with Christ, And I confess it did not. I spun and questioned and wondered and got caught up in the chaos. And lost sight of the one who I knew had all of the answers. That was true of my family and how we reacted. That was true of my co-workers and how we acted. That was true in this place, the church, in how we reacted. And in the middle of it all, whether we reacted in fear or faith, there was no shortage of foolishness. I.e., the title: faith, fear. And foolishness. let's be honest we treated each other foolishly didn't we a lot of mask shaming a lot of dividing into groups and quadrants and um, whatever you name it we reacted to attempts to find solutions foolishly we overreacted to mandates and charts and reports and news stories and I know I'm going to offend somebody but I don't think we the church handled it very well I'll just be brutally honest. I think that we got caught up in the chaos, that we got caught up in this dividing line, and it reminded me immediately of a a scripture you're very well of. And that confusion, God is not the author of confusion, is he? He's the author and finisher of our faith. But there is a verse that says the evil one comes to steal, kill, and destroy and that's what I pressed that added to the oppression is not only are we facing this thing but we as a church I'm not even sure I can find comfort there or solace there because of the things that went on here now I know you're tired of talking about it so what do we do about all of that well unfortunately being a Christ follower doesn't mean I'm immune from all of, all of that stuff it's still very real and folks you know this but the virus is very real It wasn't some made-up thing, conspiracy, whatever, to control us, although it did become political very fast, but it was a real thing. And we're not immune from it as Christians, but what we need to be prepared to, folks, is not follow on the way out. We need to lead the way out. Why? Because we have a relationship with the God who is the author and finisher of our faith. That's what I want to focus on this morning so what do we do about that well so here's the question how are we supposed to move on address this elephant especially those of us who are Christ followers and folks as Christ followers we are challenged to live by faith to fear God and avoid foolishness aren't we let me say that again we are challenged to live by faith to fear God and to avoid foolishness so what do we do next what does post-COVID life for a Christian look like well our scripture that I'm going to point to today is a bit odd and when God directed me this way I wasn't sure kind of where it was going to end but it's been good for me I hope it's as good for you as it was for me it's found in Genesis of all places chapter 2 verses 1 to 8 and so let me read it it's going to be on the screen in front of you I'm not sure of the translation but uh, it'll be close and so I'll just read it from the screen so Genesis chapter 2 verse 1 to 8 thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all of their vast array by the seventh day God had finished the work he had been doing and so on that seventh day he rested from all his work then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done now let me just pause there God created good just let me pause there God created good. And then he took a breath. Let's continue. Do we continue? Then the, um, let's see. So this is the account of the heavens and the earth. When they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet uh, sprung up, for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the ground and watered the whole surface of the ground. Next. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. And so the first thing I want us to focus on this morning in, in this story is that God created, and he breathed life, capital L, capital I, capital F, capital E, and that's my Uh, that's not scripture necessarily but he created life big life so let me ask you a question when you hear that when you hear that God breathed life tell me what that what you envision in your mind what does that speak to you as I ponder that the first thing I thought of is well I'm different than the animals because they breathe too right and so there it must be something different than that animal and so it I settled on and as I looked and researched it's this feeling of existence for a purpose not just to exist I exist for a purpose and that purpose in that purpose there's exhilaration for what comes next I had this forward thinking ability to think about and plan what comes next there's an excitement for sharing the moments of life first with God as we were created and then with others and this, whole, uh, this, this thought of life brings hope it holds promise and it's eternal that's the life that God breathed into me now we're surrounded by living things aren't we I mean the animals are alive the plants are alive they're all living but there's something special about me and that's in verse 7 man became a living person Robert Jameson in his commentary about these verses he says this this phrase is used to show that man's life originated in a different way from his body being implanted directly by God just like Christ breathed on his disciples in John 20 22 and that verse says then Jesus speaking then he breathed on them and said receive the Holy Spirit receive this life receive this spirit we have been created for life we have been created different from all of creation we were shaped out of the dust just like probably the other things we were given a body but that body was created in the image of God and then the breath of God was breathed and it gave us a living spirit a living soul it gave us an essence of life that's what's important because it gives significance to every decision we make in life every circumstance we face in life yes COVID and every relationship we have in life. That's what this life does. This breath of life gives me the ability to think, to reason, to love, to plan, to hope. I need to keep that in mind as I move forward. So what does that mean as far as a COVID, a post-COVID world? Folks, I believe it gives us the foundational hope we need to move forward. Hope that those outside this relationship we have with Christ need Desperately. And that's why I say as a church, when we move forward, and we'll move forward, when we move forward, we need to lead that charge, and we need to lead that charge in the life, the breath life that God has given us. Jesus talking to disciples um, about the gate and being the good shepherd says this in one of my favorite verses in John 10.10. 10. Jesus says, I have come that they, and I'll say I have come that you might have what? Life and have it abundantly or to the full. Hold on to that thought for just a moment. I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. And it's easy to think about, yeah, that's eternal. It's out there. It's when I die and go to heaven. But it also carries with it the implication that we're to have full life now. I have come to be with you that you can have life, yes, in the sweet by and by, but have life to the full now and don't miss this because it's important God intends for us to have life to the full moving forward often means as we're reminded to do in Philippians to put the past behind and press on toward the goal that Christ has given us and that some of that is true in this discussion we can't escape COVID we can't imagine that it never happened but we can say "All right, at some point it's there and I'm going here and I'm gonna live life to the full because that's what God created me for. He created me for life, capital L, capital I, capital F, capital E. And as Christians, we need to realize that life ahead, that we have life ahead because God created us, that he breathed life into us, and that life is to be life to the fullest. Here's what I like about following Christ, and it, it almost gives me a big head complex sometimes but we play by a separate set of rules don't we? we we really are able to kind of cheat because God gives us everything that we need to live that life and so the rules that we play by are special that's, the, that's the, the joy of being a Christ follower we don't live by blind faith but focused faith and we can move forward and lead the way because we've been given life by the creator of life and so we were created for life for relationships. And let me re- take a moment and remind you of something right now. It's something you already know, but I think it's good to be re- reminded of occasionally. You were the highlight of God's creation. Now we kind of, we'll talk about some things in a moment that messed that up a little bit but God created man and we were the highlight. He created us for life and for relationship in fact in those early days it wasn't uncommon probably for God to kind of walk alongside and and maybe there was a chat I don't know I, I wasn't there but we were the highlight of God's creation when he created man and specifically that man Adam let me tell you he saw you as well God's omniscient right he knows everything he can look forward he can he knows and so he saw you and he saw you in perfect relationship with himself and that wasn't enough Even that pure and holy relationship wasn't enough. He also said, well, you know, it's not good for man to be alone. And so he created this other person and called. And Adam took a look and said, whoa, man. (laughs) Right? And so not only this relationship, but we exist for this relationship. We were created for life for relationship. We are special in God's eyes. Now, (laughs) one other thing that this past year has taught us relationships are hard. They really are. Not only um, I mean I spent that time alone and it was hard trying to keep relationships. I kind of felt for some of you that had a house full of relationships that you were trying to manage. I've heard about that homeschooling and how it really went. Now the first service kind of laughed at that. You all handled that well I take it. Right? The whole homeschooling thing that Okay, so bright bunch. I'll, I'll give you that. Well, not that wasn't the case for everybody. Marital counseling went up significantly. Abuse went up significantly. Addictions went up significantly. So suicides increased significantly. Relationships are hard. And when you throw onto it this oppression of a pandemic and you're trying to manage isolation in the midst of relationships, it's hard. And again, we didn't handle it well as individuals, and I don't think we as a church handled it maybe as well as we could have. We tried, but I think we were always just a little bit behind of, of where we could have been. And instead of leading through the pandemic, We got caught up in the chaos, the confusion, the division, the mask, the mandates, the elections, and all of the stuff that was happening at that point. And rather than keep our eyes focused on Christ and try to build these relationships and encourage them, we just joined the masses. We joined the mask-wearing masses. It was hard. So what now? Can I invite you to re-engage your faith? can I invite you to take a moment to take a deep breath to realize that you were created for full life, for relationships and to re-engage your faith. So as we take the next step, can I encourage you to grow in that next step, to grow in your faith in that next step because unless we do, we can't lead. Unless we're growing deeper, it's hard to lead others to grow deeper. So let me invite you to reengage your faith, to once again focus on the relationship that's most important, your relationship with your Savior. Your Savior who created you for life. And next, can I invite you, when the time is right, to leave the comfort of what you've settled into, whatever that is, and reengage life? To, to cast that fear away again, it doesn't, I'm not asking you to abandon, faith, to abandon all this and be foolish, but I I'm, I'm encourage you to be prepared to re-engage life. I made a vow this week personally, because I've heard this a lot, I made a vow to eliminate the phrase new normal from my vocabulary. And not because I don't think that life may be a little different. It may be. But I eliminated it because I don't want to use that as, as an excuse to keep doing what I've been doing. I want, I want to move forward. So whatever normal is, it's going to be normal. I'm not going to accept a new normal as an excuse to not do and be who I'm created to be. So re-engage in life. And please hear me, my intention is not to guilt anyone here, anyone online, to, to leave your house and join the masses and the activity and the groups until you're ready and it's safe. That is not my intention. But I, my intention is to ask you to re-engage in life whatever capacity you're ready to take, and whatever safety you need to take. My purpose for bringing this up is to encourage you, to encourage us, to realize that we are called for a higher purpose, a purpose much higher than COVID. We are called to be ambassadors for Christ. That's why we need to reengage our faith. That's why we need to reengage life and live it to the full. So, we were created for life, for relationships, and then we discover something else in this text that's pretty unique in Genesis chapter 2 verse 15 we read this then the Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden and, and Eve she was there too to tend and care for it but the Lord God gave them this warning you may eat freely from any fruit in the garden except the fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil if you eat its fruit you will surely die so there's some fear there right so God instills a little bit of fear there and so in the midst of this wonderful creation in all of this purity and holiness and relationship man is given a choice so we've been infused with life we're placed in creation surrounded by relationships and what God does next is kind of hard to understand it's kind of hard for me to comprehend if he could look ahead and see the choice I would make why would he give me the choice and he did it for freedom so that I could be free in our relationship the Life Application Bible says, God gave Adam the freedom to choose. Without choice, Adam would have been a prisoner and his obedience would have been hollow. Now think about that for a moment. God gave Adam the freedom to choose, for without choice, Adam would have been a prisoner and his obedience would have been hollow. The relationship shallow. So we were given choice, even though God knew where that choice would lead. Folks, the choices we make directly impact the way we live life they impact our relationships they impact our careers and aspirations it impacts our spiritual development it impacts our effectiveness to be a witness it impacts our health it impacts our bank account it impacts our world it impacts every area of life and therefore it impacts the way we live life and only loving God knowing all of that and the choice we would make still gave us choice And whenever you have choice, the whispers come. In Genesis chapter 3, we read on, verses 1 to 4, the the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? of course we may eat the fruit and trees of the garden the woman replied it's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat God, God said you must not eat it or even touch it or you will die you won't die the serpent replied to the woman God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it and you will be like God knowing both good and evil and was that the truth it was the truth and so God creates Adam and places him in this paradise and he provides for every need he walks with them in a perfect relationship and gives them just one simple choice you can eat anything you want it's all free there's this wonderful banana tree over here yummy there's some pineapple over yonder yummy there's some lemongrass and kale and if you're into that kind of thing (laughs) you know what I think about that but it's all free the only choice you have to make is whether you're going to eat the fruit on that tree in the middle of the garden. And, of course, it's, 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 a, it's kind of, well, I, I brought a video that kind of showed what choices look like for us. So take a moment and watch this video. This is usually how choices work out for me. The child will not stop insisting on tasting this. I keep telling him it's going to be gross, but he does not want to listen. So I'm going to let him find out for himself. Uh, that's kind of what it's like, isn't it? I mean, in the, when we're given choice, you know, it, there's another one where little kids ha- insist on eating an, an apple because he thinks this onion is an apple. And not only does he take a bite, he chews the whole thing up and he's so stubborn that he takes a couple more bites. <laughs> that's what choice means. That's that little whisper. And again it takes us back to that, you know, that old serpent comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And what's interesting about this is he never really kind of tells a whole lie. It's just kind of a half lie. And yet, we buy into it. So whether it's this little man on your shoulder convincing you that cocoa is good, or it's a snake in the grass trying to get you to eat the fruit and be wise, our choices come with consequences. Those consequences oftentimes are nasty cocoa powder out the nose, aren't they? It doesn't end well and it severs our relationship with God it impacts our life in the garden and we see it all through life in fact we see it all through scripture this pattern played over and over again fear, faith, and foolishness every circumstance, fear, faith, and foolishness we see it like Abram who Abram who fear tells him don't leave, stay home and yet his, his foolishness then causes him when he does leave to take matters in his own hand because God isn't fulfilling the promises as soon as he wants them to. And yet when he lives in faith, we're strengthened to leave home and we watch as God fulfills his promise over and over again. We see it in, in the life of Moses. Fear says you're tongue-tied and you're not a good leader. Foolishness tells you to run to the desert and escape. And yet, when he lived in faith, he was strengthened to take the first step that led from slavery to the promised land. That's the step I'm talking about today. Like Peter, fear says, "Don't get out of that boat," and foolishness says, "Take your eyes off Jesus and look at the water." But if we keep our eyes focused on cross on Christ, we're water walkers. Mary fears the whispers that say you're a virgin this pregnancy can't happen and foolishness shouts don't listen to the angel it doesn't make sense and yet when she obeyed she becomes the mother of the son of God over and over and over again so what's next in a post-COVID world can I burn my mask can I play space invaders with other people's personal space truth is that's not for me to decide. When the time is right, that decision will be will need to be made, but for the purpose of us as a church, can I forgo the vaccine and just trust in immunity to solve the covid problem? That's a decision you'll have to make about vaccines. Here's what I want you to encourage you to do as a Christ follower though. But more importantly, what I want us to do as a community of Christ followers Are you ready? You might want to write these down. Live life. Live life, capital L, capital I, capital F, capital E. Life to the fullest. Whatever that next step looks like, let's live as Christ followers to the fullest. Let's trust that in faith, He's going to lead us where He wants us to go. He's going to give us the strength that we need to go. And let's be leaders, not followers. Let's not get lost in the chaos of division and confusion. Let's point our eyes to Christ and run for all we're worth. Live life. You were created for it. And because you were created for it, you need to be an example of it. You see, that's maybe where we failed, is that, that people might know that we're Christ followers, but the choices we make Have often led otherwise. So let the choices you make as you live life point the way to Christ. Secondly, live life in relationship with God and others. Where whenever we go, and whatever that step looks like, let God shape your future, let him shape your relationships, and let him get us to the next step. Stay connected. Don't isolate forever. Re-engage your faith, reengage your family. Reengage your relationships, again, when the time is right and when you feel safe doing that, but don't let the new normal keep you from being normal. And then finally, choose wisely. Realize that the choices you make in these next steps impact a lot of people. Our children are watching. Our coworkers are watching. Others around the room are watching. People are watching the choices we make. <laughs> I told this story in the first service. You know, um, foolishness isn't always a bad thing. We can learn and become wise through foolishness. And I, I told the story uh, when I was a child, and my parents continually told me, I grew up on a farm, continually told me the danger of matches and don't leave the house with matches. I was like the kid with a cocoa spoon. So on Thanksgiving one day, my brothers and I snuck out the house with matches, and we were just going to build a little fire because it was cold, and the relatives were all in the house, and it just wasn't where we wanted to be. And we managed to burn about 300 acres of pasture land. And so back in the day, there was a thing called a switch, and my dad lined us all up. He switched our little pine ends. And I was telling that story to a school counselor when I was a teacher later on in life. And so I was telling that story, and she just got this flabbergasted, amazed look, and she said, your dad should be in prison for child abuse. What did you learn from that? And I said, lady, I learned to not set a pasture on fire, and to this date, I haven't. (laughs) Foolishness can make you wise, and so if you choose foolishly, learn from it. Make the next time that decision be wise. So as you move forward, live life. You were created for it. Live life in relationship with God and others. Engage your faith. Engage others and choose wisely. Realizing your choices impact others. So, masks, vaccines, live life. That's how I think we need to lead. Live with focused faith, not blind faith focus faith gives us an opportunity to be obedient and grow spiritually and lead the way for others live with a healthy fear not a paralyzing fear fear is real and in fact the fear the healthy fear is Psalm one eleven ten. the fear of the Lord is what the beginning of wisdom and in 2 Timothy it says for God has not given us the spirit of fear but of power and love and a sound mind so we can have fear as long as it's a healthy fear a sound mind, a fear God fear, not a paralyzing fear. And then we need to realize that both fear and faith come with those whispers. Someone who's ready to say, you know what, that cocoa probably tastes pretty good. That's what I believe needs to happen in our next step forward is that we need to leave to lead. We need to be Christ followers as we lead. And so that's my plan let's pray Father thank you for creating me us in your image thank you for that breath of life for that promise that you came to give us life to the full and that's even in the midst of COVID Father help me to lead wisely in whatever my next step is Father, help me not get caught up in the chaos and the confusion and the division that the world would have me be caught up in. But help me to be focused on you, realizing that you are the author and finisher of my faith, that I can move forward with a hope and a promise. Father, thank you for allowing me the freedom to choose you. Now give me the strength to choose you.